I'm very excited. We've got a cool guest tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got I, a cool I'm pretty, guest tonight. I'm pretty sure this is like what two years in the making or some kind of shit like this. Didn't, yeah, didn't, yeah. Didn't you? Didn't you have like a, a a brief run in with somebody from this band like way back in the early Listen Riff days? Yeah, they um they reached out to me about being oh, cool. on the show, and it just like never worked out and uh we just kept them in the back of our mind until their unbelievable new record came out and i was like yeah they have to we have to talk to them it has to happen we always make it back around baby we're never we gonna do. forget you yeah we do man it's not like it's not like we're too good for anybody you know what oh, i mean fuck it no. just didn't work out you know i don't want to you know to think that a quick a quick shout out man tony martin we're we don't think that we're too good for you brother exactly. if that's what the if that's what the problem is if you're worried that we think we're better than you and that's why you won't uh respond to our incessant attempts to get a hold of you brother we are not man we're not better than you we want to be you we should realistically just bother him more i feel like we've i think so you know, I think I, I I feel like if we try hard enough and nothing happens, we should probably just book some fucking tickets and go over there and like find. How hard can it be, man? This is we're I'm it's twenty twenty two. We got the internet. We can find Tony Martin. We can track him down. Let's just like maybe offer him fifty bucks to come on the show or something. I'll I'll pay you know I'll I mean? pony up on that, man. I'll go half with you. I'll go yeah. half with you on fifty for Tony Martin. <laughs> twenty five bucks for Martin, baby. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take He's, it. I know, but that, I think that's our next move, but. That's fucking hilarious, dude. I know we were texting earlier today, dude. I had the best workout too. Well, we should just say who it is. Alexander from Undeath is coming on the show. Yes, and, we. Uh, if you're gonna get, if you're yeah. gonna get an Alex Jones on your show, this is the one that you want. You want to get the Alex Jones from Undeath, right? We want. If there's an angel on one side and there's a devil on the other side, this is the angel Alex Jones, I think. And and he helped you through your workout today. You said. Oh yeah, I had the best workout ever to the new Undeath record. It was amazing. I was while you were texting me working out, I was sitting on a bench on campus, uh, just listening to Undeath and uh, watching some birds do a little dance out in the yeah. uh, out in the quad. It was truly beautiful, man. <laughs> Completely different vibe, but it works. Yes. It it. Well, that that's the mark of a quality record. I think if Definitely. you can bird watch to it and fucking throw weight to it, you know that that shit is something that's worth listening to. I said it a while ago, I think when one of our first uh, Death Comes Lifting podcast back that it was my favorite record of the year so far. It still remains my favorite, at least in the death metal world, in the metal It's world. way up there. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's really, re it's really, really good, man. It's yeah. a good record. Their first record was really good. I feel like this one's got a little bit more melody to it, a little bit more adventure in some places. Um, yeah. Very, very, you know, I don't have anything left to say about this fucking record just because I've been, I've been, you know, like everybody else who's been raving about it since April. Fortunately, we got some new developments in the Undeath camp that we get to talk about tonight. So we're definitely going to talk about this record. We're going to talk about the history of the band, of course, but there's exciting new shit on the horizon for Undeath and we're going to talk and for, for, for Alex himself, we're going to talk about that stuff. It's going to be awesome. We, um, oh, as soon as you said that, he, he's knocking at the door, so I, the, I didn't even uh, get a good segue. Speaking of undeath, the, let's let him. Yeah. <laughs> speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I usually do better. I usually do better. Speaking guys. of whom, here it is. This motherfucker's out in the woods, Alex zooming into the great outdoors. Right. What's up, dog? How what are up, you? Man? I'm fucking good. How are you guys? Fucking awesome. We're good, man. man. We we were just talking about how this was like a fucking like two years in the making or something like this. There was like a there was like a brief connection, I think, between you and Zach, like way back. Yeah. Um, way back. Yeah. And and we we are you know we we're gonna get to everybody. God damn it! It might take a minute. 
and we are we 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 uh am, yes we are psyched we are psyched yeah what, how are you I doing do, man I'm psyched, dude. I'm psyched too. I got like four layers on right now. I feel like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. I'm chilling. <laughs> Where are what, what are you doing out? Did you step outside? Is there like a sleeping baby inside or something? No, I just wanted to chill outside. It's a beautiful day out. Uh, there you go. See, that's what I was doing earlier. Me and Zach were texting each other earlier. Zach was working out, listening to your fucking latest record. And I, at the same time, was listening to your latest record, sitting on a bench on a college campus watching some birds like fuck with each other it was great man it was a, that Very and that cool. that like we said is the that's the mark of a fucking solid death metal record i think i think if you can throw weight to it and if you can watch birds to it that's some fucking multi-layered shit right there Good we like that man. yeah dude i mean uh, it, it's it's a record for people of all walks of life i mean look at me man i'm basically like I'm like in Wolves of the Throne Room right now. I'm just like yeah. I'm a naturalist. I'm, I'm outdoors. I'm appreciating Mother Gaia, like, right. and 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 it's all about writing death metal at the same time, you know. So what, whatever floats your boat. That's what's up, and that's you know, undeath is for the children, just like death comes lifting. It's for everybody. <laughs> undeath, really undeath comes lifting. Why did undeath we? Why did it take so fucking long to do this? Undeath. That's comes the title lifting. of this episode. Aaron, that yeah. is the t- absolutely. <laughs> that, that's it. We made it happen already. So I need one, that. I'm gonna need that 15 cent royalty check. We got you, mail. dog. You we got, got it, you. Man. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll 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 throw some other goodies in. It'll there be too. more it's like 25. Feel cents, like you got bro. too raw of a deal. 25. Yeah. Oh my right. god, dude! Don't spend that shit all in one place now. No, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna go to the mall. I'm gonna go to one of those bones machines, and I'm gonna get the <laughs> yeah. get the sticky hand. Get the fucking yeah, the hand yeah. that you sling that fucking sticks to something that your mom's like you threw that into the fan again. You fucking piece of shit. Um, one <laughs> year ago, yeah, exactly. One year ago tomorrow, guess where I was? Uh, one year ago tomorrow. Oh, I feel like I know exactly where you were. Where I was you, in this, I was in the same room as you. Were you in Baltimore at the was, luxurious Baltimore soundstage at, at the up from the sewer tour? I was in Baltimore at the luxurious Baltimore soundstage at the up from the sewer tour watching undeath Let's fucking crush go. it standing in the back feeling like it's a weird thing man because like i don't know you guys personally but like having sort of picked up on that first demo i got my fucking i like to do the uh every time we get somebody on here you can't nobody can see this except us because this is a fucking audio podcast but i got my fucking undeath stack right here he straight up fucking chilling holding some papers down while also fucking rocking at the same time and it was a really fucking good show. As I'm sitting there watching it, I'm thinking like, God damn, dude, it is so fucking cool to see like a younger band out here just commanding a fucking room. Um, so, so quick into their career, man. Like what's gone on in the year since then? It seems like it's probably been a pretty fucking crazy year for Undeath, man. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that was an amazing tour. Like that was really kind of the first real tour that our band had ever done, which was ridiculous because we... You know, we we had plans, and obviously COVID shat all over all of them. But we we were booking stuff, and we had like several small tours kind of in the works. But then none of that really came to pass, obviously, because everything got canceled. And then yeah. the first opportunity that we were presented uh, coming out of COVID was, "Do you guys want to do a tour with Black Dahlia Murder?" And obviously, we said yes. Not just <laughs> the answer is yes. Be. Yeah, like I don't even think it was presented to us as an option. I think EJ, uh, Black Dahlia's manager, hit us yeah. up and he was like, "You're doing this tour," and we were like, "Okay, <laughs> sure but, thing, uh, boss." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was it was great. Like it, it was never really needed to be discussed. We were on it immediately, and you know, it, it's a pretty drastic jump coming from the shows that. 
you know, we're still used to playing, which is, you know, 100, 200, 300 cap rooms, like bars and tiny little clubs and stuff like that. Maybe even like, you know, the occasional house show or whatever to playing the rooms that are on that tour, which I feel like bare minimum were like 800 capacity. Most of them were like 1,000, 1,400, 1,500, and a lot of them were sold out. So it was just, it was nuts. And we were very fucking nervous the entire time, you know, I, and the way that Kyle and I, Kyle, our guitar player, one of our guitar yeah. players, the way that we kind of cope with that tends to be a lot of like chemical dependencies. So we <laughs> were backstage and the memory that sticks out to me the most is we were backstage in Minneapolis and it's like three or four shows into the tour and we just can't deal anymore. So we're about to go out and play in front of 1500 people. And we just got so high right beforehand. <laughs> and, uh, we're like stepping out on stage and I turned to the security guard and I was like, it was like a spinal tap moment. I was like, where are we right now? <laughs> yes. And he was like, brother, you're in Minneapolis. And I was like, okay, cool. That's how so you know nervous. you've made it. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. But to answer your question, I mean, yeah, like the years since then, I, I remember getting off that tour and coming home and being like, well, I guess that was it. You know, like that's like, the, that's the coolest thing that's ever going to happen to our band. But <laughs> Uh, like it, it's just been crazier and then we got the the offer to open for dying fetus like pretty shortly after that which was also huge just because you know I, me and uh, tommy are basically like, we love that band we grew up on fetus so that was huge and then obviously the record came out and that was huge for us too so it's just kind of been this like very steady very gradual upward momentum that i think we're just always trying to capitalize on you know we're always thinking about the next thing we're always thinking about what we want to do next and how we want to push the band more but at the same time we're all such like regular low-key guys that we're also very mindful about staying grounded and staying in the present and just enjoying the shit while it's going on that's awesome dude and that like that i feel like that's probably like the wisest stance that a person could possibly take in that position you know what i mean so like it is and it also it i feel like that position that, that you've taken is sort of like it's almost infectious because I feel like that's sort of the vibe that Undeath goes for at a live show. That's sort of the relationship that you guys have with listeners of the band. It just seems like everything is about good times. You know, like you said, multiple tweets on the Undeath Twitter account. This is about getting drunk and having fun. Right. Um, and yeah. so like, yeah. And so like looking at it from that perspective, it's just been a really cool thing to watch sort of this it's it's almost like a hardcore community ethos sort of come into death metal. Uh, and it's not to say that death metal has been without that ever. Um, but I do think in combination with sort of, you know, the more the more like not necessarily musically upbeat message, um, but the more sort of socially upbeat message, the more sort of community based message of band, you know, a newer wave of death metal bands in the U.S., coupled with sort of coming out of hibernation after covid it just seems like there's been so much fucking community throughout you know you guys rise and that's just been a really really inspiring thing to watch well thanks man i mean yeah we that is definitely like the community aspect of it and the kind of inclusiveness the inclusiveness is something that i think all of us take to heart because that was important to all of us when we were getting into music and that's not to say that we didn't as a band, like as, as individuals love bands growing up that were more exclusive, like, uh, sure. you know, one of my favorite bands growing up was mayhem. And that is a band whose whole ethos is like, you are not among us. Like exactly. we are separate. We are separate from you. We are better than you. You're beneath us. And you know, when I'm 
15, 16 years old dealing with whatever insecurities I was dealing with at the time, that was like, whoa, these guys are fucking cool. Like, a, I wanna, that, I, uh, they say I can't be in their <laughs> That message like, will touch a 16-year-old's heart, man, for, for yeah, real. It's like, I want to be in the inner circle so bad. <laughs> but then, like, but then uh, you know, growing up a little bit and starting to actually, like, go to shows and, uh, you know, here in, in Western New York, like Rochester, Buffalo, it's uh, pretty much like the prevailing thing has always kind of been hardcore and and punk and you know those are the shows i went to tons of metal shows growing up but that kind of evolved with from like a scene perspective were absolutely of the hardcore variety yeah and that was going to a show and feeling like i could be a part of it and feeling like what the people were doing on stage was something that was like within my grasp and that that was very inspiring to me i think that's that's messed that yeah, while a band like Undeath, while we do play like very technically complex music, and while it is like not something that you know you can just pick up and learn in a couple hours, I feel like, like at the dose of it, it leads to your nose to the grindstone. Like this is something that you can do, and yeah. I feel like a lot of metal bands don't even really want to touch that. They're like they're still kind of holding on to that last little. Uh, like tiny thread of rock stardom where like, yeah. like this me being able to shred is what separates me from you but but uh that's like the opposite direction that i want to go i want to i want people to come to our shows watch us play like jump off the stage whatever and leave wanting to start a band of their own and uh, and i hope Fuck, that kids yes. find that feeling because that's absolutely like what i got growing up that is so and dude that's like so rad and that's a perfect sort of transition into like learning about your journey into this right so you you hit up a bunch of shows when you were a kid you were really into heavier music hardcore metal things like that uh what was sort of the initial vision for the band just kind of to go back and take a look at things from the beginning like how'd you guys get together uh what's the what's the background so so for me personally uh for I'm going to pivot a little bit because now the sun is shining directly in my fucking face. <laughs> no Here problem, man. That's the, oh. That's the stuff. It's the golden uh, hour, baby. For me personally, yeah, how do I look? Do I look good? How are the vibes on, on the Zoom the vibes right are now? fucking, awesome. it's chill, man. <laughs> do I look yoked? For real, for real. FRFR. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, for me personally, like going into Undeath, it was like I was in a band called Druse, D-R-U-S-E, right before Undeath, and uh, that is like complete opposite end of the spectrum as far as like tone and vibe than than on death is like that that was screamo in the vein of like Dietro and orchid and like uh funeral diner like very very downcast very uh introspective very personal like just highly serious music um and it was taxing. It, I mean, it was fun for a while. Like when we started the band, I don't think it was originally going to be like that. But as the years went on and, you know, we got, because all of us started the band when we were like 18, 19 years old. But I think when, you know, there's a big gap from when you're 18 to when you're 22, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be, but you do a lot of growing up in those years. Yeah. And, uh, like just the, the way that our, that we grew up and the way that our perspective changed, the, the vibe of the band just became like a lot darker. And when that band was nearing its, its end, and I think all of us were kind of getting the vibe that it was going to be over pretty soon because it wasn't fun for any of us anymore. That was kind of my number one thing was if I am going to do another band, because I was kind of at this, this crossroads where 
you know, I wasn't really feeling particularly inspired with the band anymore. I wasn't really feeling particularly inspired by like playing live anymore. I was thought thinking maybe I'd like go back to school or something. And uh, I was like, if I continue to do this, I want it to be fun. First and foremost, I want to just like have a good time while I'm doing it. I don't want it to feel like going to band practice is like going to work, you know? And, and uh, it was kind of, it was very serendipitous because right as I'm having these, conversations with myself i get a dm from kyle one day on facebook and he was a guy that oh i had like a cursory awareness of you know he's from the syracuse scene i'm from the rochester scene so we're kind of like we're going laps around each other um yeah. and he sent me up and he asked me if i wanted to try out and do vocals for a, a death metal band and at that point that seemed like the most fun thing i could possibly do because it was either like you know i i try to learn a bunch of instruments myself and do like a a you know, just for fun, black metal solo project, or I actually like continue making music with other real life human beings and do something that actually might be, uh, you know, nourishing and fun. Uh, so I, I took him up on it and we started practicing and the, it was just me and Matt, our drummer uh, and Kyle uh, for the first like year, year and a half of the band. I mean, you've got all the demos like a uh, demo 19 and, and Cynthia Natalis. Mm -hmm. That's just the three of us. Yeah. And, we, I think the chemistry was just there like immediately. You know, we all kind of have very similar backgrounds in terms of what we enjoy as far as metal. Like, we're the, the first thing that we all ever really bonded on was Corpse Rinder, Cannibal Corpse. Like, I, I thought I was going to be coming into that first practice with a hot take where I was like, actually, like, Gallery of Suicide is like my favorite cannibal album. And Kyle was like, dude, that's like one of my fucking favorites, bro. And so I just knew, like, right then and there, it, it was going to work. It was going to be fine. Awesome, um so yeah i mean that, that that was like the very beginning of the band dude that's interesting you say that because like that's what i love so much about undeath and particularly this record uh i was saying at the beginning of this that it's my favorite metal record that came out this year because it's so much fun dude it's so it really much is. fun it, it really is dude and like that's what gets lost on me in extreme metal a lot is when it's so fucking serious and just like who can out shred and like i'm not a big tech death guy or whatever so that's what I just gravitated towards towards your record so much because of that, man. That's awesome, man. Thank you for saying that. I mean, yeah, we uh, we we just want it to be enjoyable for people above all else, and yeah, you know, that's it, just I think who we are as people kind of shines through in the music. Mm -hmm. Definitely, man. Do you write the lyrics? No. Who who writes the lyrics? Uh, I should have done my homework. I'm just asking. No, it's all good. <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle writes pretty much all the lyrics my my lyrical contributions to the band i mean i was also going back like it wasn't like a stipulation but that was kind of one thing with joining the band was i was like i don't really want to fucking write lyrics anymore <laughs> because, <laughs> like because i love writing like i love writing uh uh i, I mean i do i do a, a column for metal injection now oh yeah i love We're just, like, writing there. about oh cool hell yeah but i mean like yeah. i i love writing about stuff that's interesting to me but when i when i sit down and i try to like put thoughts to paper in a way that's less structured and uh, it's a more of like a free-flowing lyrical sense it's just it's garbage it's like i just hate it and i hated writing lyrics for Drews. and that was a band where you know there wasn't the the structural outline of being in a metal band and writing metal lyrics you know because when you're in a death metal band at least you kind of have that north star where you're thinking okay well if i'm lost creatively at least i can write about like murder you know? exactly <laughs> exactly but <laughs> With Drews, it's like, okay, like, what, what's, like, making me want to commit suicide today? Like, how do I, like, just think, like, and, and then it so cool. turns out it's, like, not a 
fun thing to write about. So uh, when we started, when we started the band, the way that I kind of circumvented the lyrical writing process was I, I sent Kyle like some stuff that I was thinking about ideas wise for the songs that would end up being on our first demo. And I was like, well, you know, I was being all sheepish about it. And I was like, you know, if you like these or not, just like, let me know. We can like workshop and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, no, dude, I already wrote all the lyrics. Like, we're good to go. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so just one less thing I have to worry about. And this town has <laughs> been like that since then. And my only real additions that I have to his lyrics is all add like swear words and stuff every now and then. But awesome. that's, that's basically it. Uh, for some reason, man, and I, I was unaware of that of that as well. And I was just sitting there uh, multiple times over the last like six months. I've gone back to like this version of you in my in my imagination. That's like sitting someplace inside quiet, like a library <laughs> or maybe some by a fire and like sitting there writing the lyrics to the opening track on the new record and being like, man, I'm just going to spell fucking dead because I feel like motherfuckers are going to get that was something about I was just like because and that's one of the things that's one of the things about about undeath that I think is so fucking miraculous is how you guys are able to blend like legitimate pop sensibility with fucking death metal you know what I mean like there's sing-along parts there's dancey parts there's these fucking melodic riffs that come out of nowhere that are super fucking catchy and like when we me and Zach are talking earlier I we were talking about cannibal corpse influences obviously it's all over the stuff that you guys do in the best possible way and I mean that that's some of the highest praise that I can give that's probably my favorite band of all time but like hearing fucking hearing that kill influence especially in the music and then like a lot of your delivery is like sort of very bleeding era barnes sort of like it is heavy as fuck it's as heavy as tomb of the mutilated but there's a playfulness to it at the same time it's just such a really cool mix you know and early on in you guys career that was some of the main stuff that i was picking up on and as you continue to write music and as you continue to put stuff out we see all this like melodic sort of influence coming out diamonded dissection was the one that i heard and i was just like this is a, they're they're going someplace interesting here. And so fast forward to April of this year, uh, when it's time to rise from the grave comes out. What a fucking record, dude. Like, what was the mission statement following up that first LP, following up the tours that you guys had done, following up sort we, I think it's fair to say there was probably some pressure in the creation of this record. Would you agree? Um, you know, maybe I feel like all the pressure that really was present was, was from ourselves. That's you what know? I mean. And I don't, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I like, I don't mean to, to downplay anything that was happening like outside of, of practice, you know, like obviously there were, uh, there were expectations that I think we wanted to meet for the album and, and, and other aspects. But as far as like when we were writing it, I, I think going into it really, we just, just wanted to strike while the iron was hot. We wanted to not lose any of the momentum that we had been kind of building up through lesions coming out in the middle of COVID and not being mm-hmm. able to tour. And I think it, we just wanted to make sure that when we dropped the record and when we hit the ground, like we were able to hit the ground running. And at the same time, it, it wasn't like, uh, I feel like the second album typically is kind of like where you start experimenting a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you see that a lot in dance discographies where, you know the I forgot who who said this, but maybe it was it was it was in the U.S. black metal book that Dustbolt put out. I feel like maybe it was a uh, Aesop from Agalock, but he was talking about that band, and he was saying like, you know, you can see in this. It's going to seem like we're veering wildly off track, but we're going to get back there. I promise. It's like you see in Agalock's first three albums, 
what like the general trajectory of most career bands kind of is where the first album pale folklore is your mission statement it's like this is kind of what we're trying to do as a band these are the general like this is the palette of sounds that we're going for and it's going to be imperfect but but we're going to get there and Mm -hmm. then the second album so for them it's mantle that's where you're developing your sound but you're you're experimenting you're like getting a little cute with it you're adding like stuff that maybe doesn't even really need to be there but you're doing everything in service of the sound that you've established but you're still looking to perfect and then the third album which for them i believe is ashes against the green that's where everything crystallizes and it's like mm-hmm. you, you've gotten your growth spurt out of your system and like you're you've arrived like you're there now you're you're a fully fleshed band and for us it's i feel like you see that with lesions i feel like that was kind of us coming out of the game being like this is what we want to do as a band we want to write you know more pop structured straightforward death metal music but with its time i don't see like that that experiment experimentation really i see it more as just us trying to keep doing what we're doing but doing it stronger and doing it more focused and i honestly think like Maybe album three is going to be the one where we start experimenting a little bit more. Like, I really don't know. But uh, that was really our, our mission statement was we just wanted to to make the best on death record that we could make. And uh, I mean, it, dep- yeah, I mean, it, it happened. It also like I, I do I do like the notion like hearing you actually talk about it is also really cool because you've got sort of those of us on the outside can sort of see that evolution right and of course you guys have that you guys can see it too but your relationship with it as creators is going to be completely different from those of us who are sort of consuming this and enjoying it um and so to think about the changes between lesions um and 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 it's time to rise from the grave uh being sort of unconscious but also just being sort of like a you know we, we, we don't want to experiment wildly. We just want to take what we've been doing and like turn it up a few notches. It's really cool to look at that as sort of uh, the stance that you took uh, from from the inside and then sort of con- contrast like what you would expect that to be versus what it actually turned out to be, which is, it, like you said, like like everybody said, like I haven't heard any fucking middling reviews of this record yet. It's a really fucking good record. It's one of the strongest ones that I heard in 2022. Um, and it's been really fucking enjoyable. Obviously, you guys have been getting getting rave reviews uh, so right. it was cool to sort of see where your head was at going into the process. Um, one of the things that you that you touched on when you were going through this and talking about Agalock, I, I noticed, you know, you have you have a very keen mind for musical analysis and you're very articulate in the way that you talk about that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your column with Metal Injection. Um, I am really cool. excited to check it out. Uh, like, tell us about sort of your history with writing, what, uh, what puts you in a position where you decided to do something like this and sort of what are your plans for it? Yeah. I mean, I, I've loved writing in a general sense since I was a kid. I mean, I, I used to draw like little comic books all the time, but my favorite aspect, and I'm talking like when I was a, a child, like I used <laughs> to draw like little on printer paper, little comic strips. And the, the thing that this is kind of like an, an epiphany for me now that I'm thinking about it, but the, the thing that was fun to me, about drawing those comic books wasn't the the drawing aspect of it. It was the writing aspect of it. I loved coming up with like the dialogue that these characters were saying to one another and that like, I, I've never really had a real talent for visual art, but I've always been able to like string a sentence together in, in a semi-decent way. So that was, that was always fun for me. And then growing up, you know, I, I, I loved English, like English class in school was my favorite. I had like so many English teachers in, in high school that, 
I know, I know you're gonna love this. But yeah, like it's I, rare, I, baby. It's a rare <laughs> thing to hear. Please let me fucking soak in this for a second. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not just trying to gas uh, you up. It's true. I of mean, course I, not. I, no, no, no. I and that's the, one of the things about that. Before we even before I even knew that we were going to talk about this, like I, you can tell, you can tell by your lyrics, you can tell by your interviews, and now we're going to be able to tell by your column. So sorry to interrupt. Please, please continue. No, no, no. It's it's all good. I mean, I, I. Uh, like shout out to Mrs. Hall if you're listening, Mrs. What Hall. Up, shout out to you. Mrs. Hall. She was, uh, she was uh, my AP English teacher my senior year of high school, and I, I loved that class. I mean, she, you're you're studying all the things that you would expect in like an AP English class that maybe your average kid might, might find kind of like rote and uninteresting, like Hamlet and Macbeth or whatever. But uh, the way, and maybe I went into it with that perspective, like I wasn't really that interested and reading Shakespeare you know I wanted to go home and watch Between the Barry to Me live videos but uh she put it in a way and presented this material and in a way that made it so captivating and made me want to to like actually reread these works on my own and she presented all this information in in very exciting ways and having teachers like her and you know going back to even when I was a kid like having teachers in in elementary school and middle school who kind of fostered this this interest I've had in writing was, was very fortunate. And uh, it's something that I'm very grateful for that I kind of had that, that education growing up. And I think it's, I think it's really important for, for those interests to be developed in kids by teachers who, who care. And uh, that was awesome. And so having, having those experiences was invaluable to me. And then growing up a little bit more, you know, I went to, I went to college for journalism, but it wasn't out of any, it's going to sound bad. It wasn't out of any interest in journalism. It was because that was the closest thing to an English program that my college offered because I, uh, I went to a technical college here in Rochester. Mm-hmm. I went to RIT, which is primarily known as a, like an engineering and, and software and like design school. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the, the English department isn't exactly that robust, but I, I wanted to go to school close to home and, that was what they offered. So that's what I did. And doing that, it, it kind of like I had a great experience in school. I enjoyed like the social aspect of it. I enjoyed uh, like making friends. And, and yeah, it was really just primarily like the I don't want to say I just went to college to party. because That's not true. But like I m- meeting people and, and the social aspect of college was definitely my favorite part. But just the, the rigmarole of the journalism program and the way that the the process of writing and like the creative pursuit of being a writer was kind of distilled down to this very binary essence, which is so fucking uninteresting to me. (laughs) And it, and it's my fault. I mean, I enrolled in the fucking program. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's, it, it just completely turned me off from writing for so long. And by the time I was out of college, I'm doing Druze. So, that's like my only real so i've had this this interest in writing that's been fostered my whole life just kind of squashed by the collegiate experience Mm -hmm. and then my first real foray back into it is writing like the most intensely personal shit i can possibly think of in a very unstructured way so it's this total roller coaster of emotions and i just after Druce ended i just had no interest in writing anymore like for anything whatsoever and uh, when people ask me what I went to school for, I told them journalism, but I was like, yeah, but like, I'm, I don't like writing. Like, I don't even know why I did that. Like I just tried to <laughs> laugh it off. Uh, it was just like this weird part of my past that I was just trying to forget about. 
And then, uh, I don't know what happened specifically, but I think it was like Greg got the, I think he's like editor in chief or whatever at Metal Injection. And he announced that he was going to start doing that. And he was a guy who, you know, I liked his tweets a lot. And I think I had read like his writing before. And I thought he was just really good at what he did. And uh, I was like reading something that he had posted. And I was like, wait, like I, I like writing. <laughs> like that's, that's a thing <laughs> that I enjoy doing. Like, why did I stop doing that? And it, it was kind of this, this light bulb moment where I realized, you know, I don't have to make it this. It doesn't have to be on either end of the spectrum. You know, it doesn't have to be this totally unfocused thing. It also doesn't have to be this totally structured journalistic thing. I could just write about what I want in the way that I want to write about it. And but I, it, but I wanted people to like read it because if I'm just doing it for myself, it doesn't exactly feel productive. So I just on a whim, I wasn't really expecting him to respond. I just shot Greg a DM one day on Twitter. I said, hey, man, like, I know you literally just got the job in metal injection, but if you guys are looking for columnists or like guest writers or anything like that, I've got tons of albums I would love to write about that I have a lot of, you know, complicated emotions on. So mm -hmm. if that's of interest to you, let's make something happen. And I kind of shot that into the ether and I assumed nothing was going to come of it. And he got back to me, I want to say, like within the hour. And he said, yeah, man, like, let's do it. I'm 100% down. And I had my first five or six pieces written in the next week it, it all came together really fast i just Jeez. i started writing one and then i just couldn't stop it was like this this valve that i had closed forever suddenly which is open and there was nothing i could do to stop it and that's that's basically the genesis of that column but it's been it's been awesome to to do so far i mean i i literally just wrote another uh, piece for it like, like an hour ago so i'm i'm oh, stoked oh, about shit. it tell us tell, well t for the people who aren't aware of it yet sort of tell us what sort of the what is the gist of the column what's sort of what are you working with yeah, so the, the general conceit of it, it's called Choice Cuts, which is a very sloppy homage to Carcass. Um, I, I mean, it's not an homage. It's literally the title of their greatest hits album. Right. <laughs> so it's just, well I'm, I'm just, I'm it's just feeling it holds it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's that. Let's, let's call it homage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an homage. Um, but yeah, the, the general like idea of it is just... It's a bi-weekly column and, you know, once every two weeks, that means bi-weekly. Uh, I talk about an album or occasionally like a record label uh, that is, I feel in some ways, underrated or undervalued. Originally, it was supposed to be exclusively about death metal, but then I realized I just, I can't limit myself in that way. I like too much music to just talk mm -hmm. about death metal all the time. Uh, so, you know, we... we we I've talked about everything from coffins to uh, cursed to we just fucking did a cursed dude one of the best bands straight up one of the fucking oh, we, most intense bands of all time straight up uh, yeah Chris Colhan he's like one of my top five front men ever he's so good um and yeah I mean I I just wrote a piece about the sword that is gonna probably go up in like four weeks uh, about a uh, age of winters which. You know, like when you're thinking about a column that's about underrated bands, like you don't really think of the sword considering they fucking toured with Metallica. Right. But, uh, I still think, and this is kind of like the the general thesis of that edition, the dog going crazy over there, is that uh, Age of Winters is still undervalued. Like I feel <laughs> like it, it's such a beloved album at this point, especially by people who know the band. But I just talk about in that in that edition about how Age of Winters is actually like so much sicker than people already give it credit for. 
Uh, so it's just stuff like that. You know, I try to stay loose with it. I try to just have fun. And uh, it's it's been a really cool and, and rewarding experience so far. Do you feel like uh, do you feel like you've got that sort of the, the Mrs. Hall influence going a little bit? You're trying to sort of because I really I like the way that uh, she sort of changed up her approach, I guess, and made you guys get curious about shit like Shakespeare in sort of a more human or more dramatic way. Something that sort of met you on your terms and made you care about it. Do you feel like maybe you're trying to do that a little bit with some slept on shit in this column? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a really great way of putting it. I mean, when and this is not me attempting to disparage other people that write about metal because i think you know i I encourage everybody who has any passing interest in writing to pursue it but i'm not trying to not trying to yuck on anyone's yum here but uh when it comes to metal writing a lot of people kind of get stuck in this mode where you know you're writing about a death metal album you're like this is the most disgusting (laughs) brutal uh this album is gonna fuck your skull and rip you to pieces you fucking piece of shit (laughs) and it's like I've just never enjoyed reading reviews like that because I'm like, okay, but like, how does the music sound? <laughs> like, yeah, like, what's like, it do? What do you? Are there like, guitars? What is, how does, yeah, like, how does it make you feel beyond like you just threatening me during this review? <laughs> uh, so, so with 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 my column, it's more just like I try to take a, a more not bird's eye approach, but I try to just get like a wider scope on like what the album's context. In and it's all this is all within generally like 600 to 900 words so it's not that long but i try to get like a a nice context in place about like where the album comes from uh what the time period was like when it was released and then you know we expand from there and it's like okay what does the music actually sound like what are the band's influences uh how does it relate to the other stuff that was happening at the time and then i always try to end it with this one tight little paragraph about like this is the general like feelings and, and thoughts that this album makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, one that comes to mind is one that I just wrote. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but it's a band. It's a one man black metal project. I feel like they're American. I think he's from California. It's called Goots for Lot. Goots for Lot. Uh, he has an album that just came out. It's called Friendship, Love, and War. And it's like, Dude, it's just unbelievable. Like, it's got this kind of, I mean, it sounds cliche to say lo-fi black metal at this point, but it, it, it has these very limited production values, but it's got this, like, really remarkable guitar playing all over it. There's, like, these trad metal solos and, like, galloping riffs and shit, but uh, the on his band camp, he has, like, a mission statement about, like, what the album means, and which is very helpful for me. And in it, there's this statement which like made me very emotional where he was talking about, he's like, no human being is alone. Like we are all connected in this universe. Like we're all fighting our own battles, but we're all fighting for one another. And I was like, God damn, like that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's shit like that. And it's, it, he, he talks about this music that is generally viewed like black metal is generally this very nihilistic, claustrophobic thing. And he talks about it in these, in these terms that are so optimistic and so hopeful. And I, I tried to carry that into my own review of the album where I was talking about how it made me feel a lot of the same way. So uh, yeah, I, I try to approach things in a way that's less about just bludgeoning you over the head with adjectives about how brutal the album is and more just like, okay, well, let's, let's, I take it from like an English teacher perspective, you know, like, let's talk about 
Like, why did he do this? You know, like, yeah. what, what does this make us feel? You know, <laughs> it's because it's fun. It's 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 fun to explore that kind of shit. Right. Like what I'm, I'm going to get fucking writing teacher nerdy real quick because I can't fucking help myself. But like one of the cool go off. One, okay. of the, one of the cool things about putting people in a situation like that is that so often the way that we feel about things like music is tacit, right? Like we don't necessarily, it doesn't stand out. It's not explicit. We don't necessarily have the words to, to uh, describe how it makes us feel. We don't necessarily like have this readily like available emotional place that we can go to, to access sort of, oh, okay, this is what I can expect. This is how it's going to be. Right. And so to have somebody sort of say like, what happens, right? When you take all these feelings, right? All the stuff that this music does to you and you do your best to put it into words and you do your best to try and communicate that to somebody else. Like not only does that introduce other people to a music, to music, but it fucking changes your relationship with the music that you're writing about. And that to me is really cool, man, because ultimately it's all the same process. It's all composition and revision, right? You're coming back to these things over and over and over again. You're tweaking them. You're, you're, uh, anyway, like I'm not going to go too, I don't want to go too far off into my fucking bullshit, but like, no, it's, man, just, I, man, I, that's great. it's really I, I cool. Totally... Go ahead. No, go on, please go on. I was gonna say, it's just, it's really cool to like, I, I've, I've wanted to talk to you about this kind of stuff for a long time, man. I'm glad we're getting to have this conversation. It's just really exciting to find out that like, you really do think about this stuff the way that I was hoping that you did. Um, and so like, it's just, it's really fucking, it's, it's really rewarding to hear somebody sort of like link the way music makes you feel with this class in high school that most people fucking despise. You know what I mean? Like, because ultimately yeah. if, if you look for it, that, that discipline and the humanities writ large sort of teach you to tap into this stuff in a certain way that that makes the tapping into it real it makes it explicit and then when you try and communicate that with another person like you create relationships that way not just between you and the other person but between you and the music and, and it's it's just a really really cool thing to watch yeah i i i couldn't possibly agree more with you and i think that when it comes to not even music but any art form when you're when you're an active participant in it when you're creating something that you're going to present to the world i think that one of the biggest pitfalls that people that people find themselves in is underestimating their audience's intelligence. Sure. And I think a lot of people, when you're involved in any kind of creative pursuit, whether it's like you're making an album or you're, I mean, I've never done it, but I would imagine it's similar, like directing a movie or writing a book or whatever. I think a lot of people view themselves as artists in kind of like a separate class of citizen from everyone else. Where it's like, I'm doing this because I have something that you don't. And I'm gifting this to you because you don't have any tools to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of musicians approach that, approach making things the same way. Where, and I just find that to be such a damaging and such a, a hostile way to create anything in this world. Sure. Because people, by and large, yeah, they make mistakes. They're fallible. They, they I mean, myself included, do stupid shit constantly. But most people possess enough of a degree of intelligence where if you just present something to them without dumbing it down, without mm -hmm. treating them like an idiot, they're going to appreciate it. And they're going to appreciate it on the level that you're creating it at. So with, with our band, I think it's funny when you know people do get mad at the music <laughs> that we make and we, we like, we're writing this death metal that the the structures are very simple and 
uh, everything kind of operates at a, at a more accessible scale than people are generally used to when it comes to like extreme metal. And some people have like a very visceral reaction to that. And they look at that and they go, oh, these guys are fucking lazy. This shit is stupid. Like where like these time signatures are so boring, like uh, blah, blah, blah. And the, the question that I want to present to them is like, well, why do you think this is making you so mad? Because, you know, when and maybe I'm just overanalyzing and overintellectualizing it here. But to me, going into metal, even if it's the most complex, like, inaccessible unapproachable like extreme metal that i can think of the reason that i keep returning to it is because it's fun to me yeah. and it's because it's it's a form of release so i feel like the reason that maybe some people react violently to what we're doing isn't because they hold themselves to some higher standard than us it's because our music in a way is like forcing them to confront something they've always known about themselves Ouch. which is that despite despite all of the uh the I don't know, like intellectualizing and and uh, hyperbole that you want to put onto your music listening habits. I think the reason that you keep going back to metal over and over is because it's for your personal enjoyment, like yeah. bare minimum. And for us, it's like we're just giving that to you. And I think a lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, well, at least like dress it up a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that, I... that, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, please. Well, I was just gonna say that's that's been like a very interesting thing for me to kind of like recognize some of the some of the things that I see online, like as the band has gained a little bit more visibility. But yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say. I mean, it is it is it it seems to me as though you look at this rather than as sort of like an exclusive thing that is created by people who who are the only ones who could create it. Uh, it, it seems to me that you look at this as more of a conversation. And that is the way that I look at the creation of art. That's the way that I look at the creation of music, right? Like you're talking about mm -hmm. your audi audience concerns. Like, what are you going to get from them? What are they going to get from you? Like, that's a two-way street. And I think it's really easy when you're creating things to forget that, right? It's reciprocal. It, the, if you create something in a vacuum, we can say, oh yeah, we just write music for ourselves. And that can be true, right? But you're still aware that there's an audience. You're still aware that people are going to hear these things. And if you truly wrote it for yourself, you wouldn't be releasing it for sure exactly right and you know, you know there's going to be an element of that you want to like the shit that you're writing right you want to like the music that you're playing but at the same time like everybody wants an audience to some degree um of even course. if that audience is like one other mad dude in a fucking basement in norway you know what i mean like that's <laughs> if, if yeah, that's and, what we're and, looking for yeah and and you know that's it's like something that i always loved about hardcore growing up and it's something that i i don't see a lot of hardcore bands doing these days which it kind of bums me out but uh a lot of bands in that world especially like a band that comes to my mind immediately is this band blacklisted from philly they Fuck used yes. to make a point uh george the singer he used to make a point of like every fucking show he would say like what this band is doing right now like you can do this too like please go home and start a band like i want you to start a band and that was such an important message for me to hear as a kid. And I know I touched on this like at the beginning of this, but it's like just having somebody in a position where you are like, granted, a lot of the shows are floor shows, but like where if there's a stage, you are physically looking up at somebody doing something and they are looking down at you and not like treating you with scorn or treating you like you're just like an audience there to observe them. They're treating you as an equal. They're putting you on a level playing field with their words and, it's not just with their actions. They're, he's literally saying to you in no uncertain terms, like what we are doing is achievable and I want you to do this. And I think that's such a cool and such an important message to communicate to, to kids, to communicate to anybody with like an interest in the arts whatsoever. I don't think there should be a, a barrier to entry 
in creating art besides like the the limits of your own willpower i think that should be the only thing that stops you from creating is is your desire to, to sacrifice and your desire to do it but i also but i don't think there's some like uh gene that people possess that makes them artists i think that some people are better predisposed to it and i think that some people based on their environments have more of a uh the, the receptors are more open so to speak to like the consumption of art and the production of art but i, I think it's something that literally one on earth could and should do and that's like I, i'm not getting on stage yet and making speeches like that just because like i don't think we've played enough shows to do it but <laughs> that that is like through through our actions as a band and through like how accessible i try to make us that is like the message that I, I personally am like really trying to get across to people. Well, and you guys are about to move into a situation where you're going to have a lot of motherfuckers out there ready to receive that message. I got a <laughs> got a nice fucking email a couple of days ago announcing a tour coming up with a fucking absurd lineup. Please tell us about that. We're doing a, a headliner, co-headliner uh, this November, December. We're going out. We're sharing the headlining spot with a band from Cleveland called 200 Stab Wounds. Uh, and then Heard of them? Beneath, you guys familiar with 200 Stab yeah, Wounds yeah. out there? Not 199. Not 201. No, sir. No. Specificity, baby. Zero, zero. Right. Uh, we're going out with them. And then opening, we're going to have Enforced from Richmond, motherfucking Virginia, as Randy Blythe would say. And uh, we also have Flick from Fargo motherfucking North Dakota. So it's going to be yes, uh, a great primarily death metal, but also a little, little bit of thrash sprinkled in tour. I'm really fucking stoked about it. We've been working on it for me and, uh, and Colin, our manager and Eric, our booking guy. We've been working on putting this thing together for four or five months. Now it feels like it's just been taking forever. <laughs> so the fact that it's finally booked and it's announced, I'm, I'm really stoked about that. It's, I mean, it, it's a fucking killer lineup, man. I'm going to do my very best to be at the Baltimore show. And like having, you know, you've got some bands on here who have just dropped a bunch of fucking sick shit. You guys had a record come out this year. Phobophilic had a record come out a week ago that's absolutely fucking killer. Uh, 200 Stab Wounds is, is consistently teasing something. So I'm assuming that there's new music coming. Um, it's just a really, it's going to be a fuck. And, and Enforced is a hell of a band, dude. I've caught them twice and they fucking kill every single time. So like, this is going to be, a really really exciting tour man and it's it's a big deal to be to be co-headlining you know what i mean like you're you're sitting here talking about i don't know if i need to make those speeches yet i don't know if we played enough shows like brother you're running the fucking show now like the microphone is yours like make that shit your own i'm really excited to see what you guys do yeah thanks man i mean that that is very true and we, we've done a lot of touring at this point but we we've never done an actual proper like six week headlining tour so I'm i'm excited for like you said like what opportunities that presents us and I'm excited to play shows that are a little bit more intimate. You know, a lot of the support stuff that we've done has been for bands that are much, much, much bigger than us. So there's kind of this physical separation from the audience. And that's mm -hmm. like cool. Like it's cool to play big rooms. But at the same time, like where I feel most comfortable, where I think everybody in the band feels the most comfortable is, uh, you know, when we're, we're all packed together. We're all like we're all in this tiny, shitty little bar as as one. And that's like yeah. the most thrilling show environment for for all of us and also beyond all that we have this joke uh in the in the undeath camp where we keep saying that this tour is the good time havers tour 
because we specifically right. wanted every band on the tour to like be fun to be around <laughs> and it's like that's that's no diss whatsoever at like bands that we've toured with in the past because we've been very yeah. fortunate that i literally cannot think of a band that we toured with who was like full of assholes like everybody has been incredibly nice but like on our travels it's like when we met phobophilic when we met enforced when we met 200 sab wounds every single one of those interactions stuck out in our mind it's like oh these guys are fucking hilarious like it is awesome being around them like Knox, the the singer of Enforced, like nobody makes me laugh more than that guy. Like he he rolled up to on the fetus where we played Richmond, and he showed up with like five pizzas, and like for no reason, he was just like, "Here's some pizzas," and it just like was making me want to piss myself. It was so funny. Like he just was the pizza delivery guy, and then like from the second I saw him to like four hours later, I I just had tears rolling down my face. Like he's just the funniest fucking person. Um, and he's so modest, like he would just be humiliated if he heard me saying this. But like, he's he's just the best. So going into this tour, mindset was like, who are three bands that we can bring out who are just going to make us like laugh the entire time that we're on this tour? And those are the first three, one, two, and three that just came to mind immediately. So yeah, that's it, it's going to be a sick tour. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, lucky for everybody, those all, all those bands, in addition to being hilarious and filled with great people, are also fucking killer bands. I cannot wait to see the show. I know that the people listening cannot wait to see the show. I hope that you cannot wait to play the shows. Um, and it sounds that way. Really, really excited, dude. Alex Jones, the good Alex Jones, brother. I love you, man. I, I, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I love coming. you this too. Has been a great conversation, man. Thank you so much for talking to us today. We uh. We gotta hit you with a really important question before you go, brother. This is some serious, serious shit right now. Um, Thirty-four weeks, thirty-two this. leg. Nice. That's a oh, big. Gonna, okay. that's my... All right, all right, all right. You're a you're a, you're a tall fellow. That's okay. I was gonna send you some pants, but I'm a thirty. So I'm a thirty-six thirty. So I don't know if we're compatible. Uh, what what uh, what what we've got to talk to you about now transcends clothing, brother. It transcends basic needs: food, clothing, shelter, to be loved. Without what we were about to talk to you about, none of those fucking things matter. Uh, Zach, Fuck all please that shit. hit this man. Hit this man with the most important question he's going to have to answer today. Alex Jones, we have to ask you, sir. What is your favorite Black Sabbath record? Ooh, that's a great Ooh. question. Thank you. Favorite ever, ever. all time. No pressure. No, yeah. Yes, favorite Black Sabbath album. I can't do a top three. It just has to be number one. You yeah. know what, man? You're the first person. I don't know. You know what, man? The- he's the first person to ever ask to do a top three, I think, uh, isn't he? Can you remember yeah. anybody who's ever asked to do that? No, no one's ever requested a top three. This is number one. Still this has been a favorite one. Yeah, right? we got to We got to go. Look, we'll take a top three. There's got to be a number one. Number one's got to be more significant than two and three. Obviously, this is a quick thing to put together. But God damn it. This has been such a great conversation. Yeah, let's do give it. Us your top, top three. Give us your top three Black Sabbath <laughs> records. I, I don't mean to make your guys' lives more difficult. It's just that this is Fuck such that. a hard question. No, dude, we're just this makes around. our lives <laughs> this makes our lives richer, right? When I hear yeah. what you have to say about Black, about Black Sabbath, that changes my relationship with Black Sabbath, right? So then I am richer or poorer. There we go. Um, this nope. would be a good column in the future. So number one, <laughs> number one, number one. Yeah, no, there nobody has written about Black Sabbath Never. before ever. ever. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Number one, we're going mob rules, baby. Fuck. Fucking A. Sickest, fucking A. That is the sickest fucking album. Uh, much that I feel like Down Nola is 
Phil Anselmo's greatest vocal performance, and not enough people recognize him for that because they just look at Pantera. But yeah. I feel like my rules, besides just being the sickest, most like balls to the wall, good time, just like absolutely fucking badass Black Sabbath record, is Dio's best vocal performance. Yeah. When he is on yeah. Mob Rules, like it brings a fucking tear to my eye when he's in the title track. It's like mm-hmm. when you listen to fools. And then just <laughs> so good. in the be- the beginning of that song, coming into it when he's, he's just like, ah! it sounds Goosebumps like up fucking... and down my arm right now. Yeah, I know, man. man. The trolls from, from doing a bad Dio impression. I just gave my own voice gave my, myself chill. <laughs> it's that fucking <laughs> good, want, man. Baby. And the riffs too, That's dude. Like the at. riff, the oh, riff on Mob Rules is just like a 19 inch swinging dick, just fucking. Yeah, oh, it can't true. be controlled. It's in, it's incredible, dude. It's such a good record. Excellent number even, one. Let's let's roll. I don't think anyone's ever even, said that. For number dude, one. Mob Rules, so underrated. And like so many people, when you tell them that, or like when you're just like, even I like Dio Sabbath, they're like, fuck you, bro. Like get out of my <laughs> fucking face. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill that's you not, right now. But no. that was like, my house my growing favorite, up when I was a kid. <laughs> Makes sense. My dad, my dad was like, my dad. I didn't know that there was anything other than Aussie Sabbath before I graduated high school. I got to college, and people were like, you, you, "You, what about the Dio shit?" And I'm like, "The fucking what?" And then like this whole new world was open to me, dude. It was incredible. Yeah, Dio fucking rules, dude. Mob rules is the rules. shit. The Rainbow in the dark guy. He say for Sabbath. Yeah. So yeah, Mob rules. I mean, also like uh, a little bit more on Mob rules. Like for me, talking about Mob rules. Uh, me and Matt, our drummer, like we, we're very similar in terms of the ways that we think about music. So we're, we always joke that we're vibe guys above all else. Like it's all just about the vibe, and uh, right. like we don't really get into. And like I appreciate a lot of the shit that like metal guys like. Like I love great playing. I love like tones and shit like that. But for me, it's just like the vibe is paramount. That's like that's the the eternal X factor. That's what makes a band, makes an album great. Like the vibe on Mob Rules. Just like infinite Italian chef kisses, like it's just hey, incredible, good times. top to bottom. Yeah. So number two, number two, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to be an asshole here. It's just this is legitimately <laughs> what I believe. Number two, I'm going heaven and hell. <laughs> and, sick, sick. And then uh, number three, I'm going sabotage. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. we got a we got another sabotage fan. Zach's yeah. favorite Black Sabbath record, Sabotage. Man, every time we get somebody on here who mentions I it, like excited. you, you don't know this, Alex Jones of Undeath, but you just got a brother. Yeah. Uh, in our boy Zach Belante of Death Comes Lifting. Uh, I sabotage, that, fucking killer record. All all of mankind is my brother, man. We're all connected in this uh in this life, and That's and, and just the fact the Shit. fact to know that that you guys also have uh. Phenomenal taste in Black Sabbath albums uh, makes it even easier. Uh, but I mean, you can't. Well, I, I was about to say you can't go wrong, but we did a on the Fetus tour. We started doing this thing where, well, actually, we started doing it on the Dolly tour, but we we do like whole discography runs of bands mm-hmm. because some of the drives are just so fucking long. So when you're doing like an 11 hour drive, it's like, well, let's listen to the entire Death discography, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we did that with Sabbath on Fetus and. I was about to say, like, you can't go wrong with Sabbath, but oh my god, some of it's really bad. <laughs> some of it is just you awful. can go, you can go marginally wrong with Sabbath. I feel like it's, a, I feel like it's fair to say, like, if you're a, yeah. like me and Zach worship all Sabbath just because we're fucking, we can't help ourselves. Like, I, I have yeah. managed to find ways to to endear in Sabbath's most fucking horrible output for myself. But like, imagine like. 
I'm sitting here thinking about a band being on the road, like working their way through the fucking incredible Aussie shit, working their way through this incredible Dio shit, <laughs> getting to Forbidden and being like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> when will the drive be over? Because <laughs> it's oh my so god, fucking- dude. I mean, we're we're driving through the desert, like blasting Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, and I'm like, I'm gonna crash this van right now. This is the greatest moment of my life. Like, yeah, I, I don't care. If, like, we're just we're listening to. To fucking you know, master of reality or whatever, and we're we've got Sweet Leaf jamming, and I'm like, dude, like it's I can literally good. die in this moment. Like we could roll this van 3,600 times, and I would like it, it would be fine because I'm listening to one of the best metal songs ever written. But yeah. then you get to like Headless Cross or whatever, and it's like it's the it's the same feeling, but it's the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like I want to crash <laughs> this fucking van right now. <laughs> like, okay, so like, what is your what's the least favorite Sabbath record? Do you know? Did uh, you deduce ecstasy. what it was? It technical, technical, technical ecstasy. The worst ecstasy. Sabbath record of all of them. Oh man! Oh, dirty dude, like women. Sh- fucks. Dirty no, women. The shit fucking oh. sucks, dude. I think Seventh <laughs> oh, Star is the worst. Man. Yeah, see, oh, that's man. like that shit is bad, but to me, it's like bad in a way that transcends bad, and it just becomes endearing. It's like cheese. It's like fun. holy shit. Okay, right. It's like this. Is I can bad, appreciate like, that. We're, yeah. We're, okay. We're yeah. like laughing. I mean, technical ecstasy. That's a, that's the album. Maybe I'm, I might be. I think it's technical ecstasy, but it's been a while since I've listened to any of these. But I feel like that's the one that, like, one of the last songs has like the saloon piano part on it that just goes on forever. Uh, <laughs> I think it's "Never Say Die." You're thinking "Never Say Die." Swinging I think you're thinking of "Never Say Die." Yeah, and "Never Say Die" is far worse than technical ecstasy. That is my. That is definitely my least favorite Aussie album, and it's it's way down there for me on on their entire discography too. So yeah, I definitely get that. Yeah, for real though, go back and listen to that last track on Technical Ecstasy. Also, man, Rock and Roll Doctor. You want to talk about vibes? Oh man, you got good. Check out Rock and Roll Doctor and Dirty Women, dude. Alex Jones from Undeath, man. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Got a record out called It's Time to Rise from the Grave on Prosthetic. Go out and get that shit if you don't have it yet. About to be on the road with 200 stab wounds, with phobophilic, with enforced. It's going to be incredible. And our boy also has a new column with Metal Injection. Do not forget to go by and check out Choice Cuts. We have had a blast today, man. Thank you so very much. Got anything you want to plug before you go? Anything you want to say? Uh, anything to plug? Uh, uh, listen to Electric Wizard, dude. Sweet. There we go. Let's do that. If you're out Everybody there right now that. in podcast land, fucking minding your podcast business, you've just been given an order and you better fucking march. Electric Wizard Turn- time. The second this shit is off, I want you to open your streaming app of choice, YouTube, whatever. Go go to your keyboard. I want you to thwap your thumbs against the screen. I want you to type in Come My Fanatics full album. And I want you to listen to that because it's really good. Thank there you. There we go. You, and now you've got after. you Yeah, yeah and then then after that mob rules. You've got your marching orders, dude. Thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to seeing you guys in Baltimore. It's always a pleasure. It will be a pleasure again in the future, man. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Peace out, brother. Have a good night. Peace. Dude.
Dude, what a fucking good dude. Next level, man. He needs to come back on for sure. He needs to come back. I feel, I wish we'd gotten him on. I, I don't know what happened. I know that we've had a few, you know, over the years, we've had a couple of like near misses with people where we almost got somebody or wires got crossed or whatever. But the God timing damn, was dude, perfect. Wish... It was meant to be. It worked out. It you was. Know I mean? You know what? That's right. I don't, I'm not going to say I wish we had him on the no, first time around because right maybe now. it wouldn't have been as good as this one. And this one right. was fucking perfect. This is one of the best conversations I think I've ever had on this show, man. What yeah. a fucking good dude yeah, yeah yeah awesome guy smart guy a fellow english nerd like you and me it's like fellow a, like, english nerd when anytime a motherfucking death metal musician comes on this show and talks about how an english teacher opened up their mind yeah, to amazing. fucking reading and shit like that and writing dude i am i am warmed to my fucking core thank you alex thank you on death uh i needed that man thank and you thank much. you Schuler benson thank you brother this has You're been welcome. a fun time we're gonna you know what we should do it again I think we will. I think I'll see you next week. I think we will as well. I think I'll see you next week, brother. I love you, man. Have a I good one, you, all right? Man. You too, bro. Peace out. Awesome shit.